Hey everybody, welcome to Street Fight Radio. Uh, still building back our setup from the TV show. Had some problems with the theme song, but we are indeed here once again on this Sunday night to do a Street Fight call-in show for all y'all. That number to dial if you want to talk to us is 614-655-3887. We will answer any and all questions you have or listen to stories that you got. That's what we're here for. Every single Sunday night from 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. From here on out, uh, until we start touring again, then there probably will be some disruptions in the feed when that happens. I mean, not in... We will make sure that... I think we decided during our break that we were going to make sure there were shows on yes. the tour. But yes, there won't be call. We're not going to do college shows from hotel rooms. No. <laughs> um, the CM Ruiz shirts are in. They actually have arrived. Katie sent me pictures today, so those will be hitting your mailbox uh, sometime this week or next. Um, Got to get a packing crew together, but they are indeed here. And I will send updates to all of your emails tomorrow uh, when I get around to it. How's it going, Brian? Good. I, I did see the t-shirts today. I, I love the white one. I don't know if people can still buy them, but uh, I saw the white one, and it looks fucking really, really good. Yeah, that's um, that's the chase, because not many people wanted the white one. There's no, there's a very limited amount of those. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I saw it, and I was like, damn. I, I You know, for people that maybe don't know this, I don't usually wear street fight shirts especially if they just say street fight radio on them <laughs> for right. some reason it feels like wearing a shirt with your own face on the front of it so i just don't usually wear them but i saw that and i was like i'd wear this i would i would wear this white one it's it's very fucking cool look it actually like the thing i like about it is that it fucking looks like a shirt from like 1978 that like a punk band printed up and we're like uh, handing out at shows or selling at shows. So it's very cool. Yes. The CMRU is the real deal. Yeah. So you should uh, buy those if they're still available. You know, the black one's cool too. Black's good. I love black shirts. I didn't get me wrong. I ordered a ton of extra, well, not a ton of extra. I used to, I ordered some extras. So store.streetfightradio.com. They'll be available. This, I swear to you, this was not a planned out plug or anything like that. I just saw it and I was like, I think I'm going to take one of these. But again, I got that sense of, of self-consciousness of just being a guy that, again, wears a shirt with his own show on it. But uh, I sure, I'm sure other people do that, though. I'm sure that's like not a normal thing that's going on with me, you know? Oh, it happens. I mean, you get so much of this stuff for free, it's silly not to use it. Exactly exactly uh how's your day brett i know you you had a big fun time today yeah i had a great day yeah i was at the water park all day i was sort of scared really (laughs) and it's not my fault that i was scared it was my wife's fault that i was a little bit scared because i was like so brett went to to zumbizi bay is the park they sell beer there and uh, he's going to be riding water slides all day. No way he'll be in any condition to do a podcast. Oh, really? Three hours to. Well, she said it. She was like, "You think Brett's been partying all day and shit?" And I'm like, "No, I hadn't even considered it or thought about it until you said that." And then I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> 
but you are like surprisingly don't even seem like you went to a water park today. Um, well, the thing about it is the beers were $12 and that really cuts down like the, the party train, you know? True, 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 um, true. Plus I'm also kind of like, you know, if it's, if it's a boring weekend or just sitting around in a backyard, that's a good reason to drink to excess. Amusement parks are kind of like built in fun. True. You know, like I didn't take acid. <laughs> I did eat some, I did eat a cookie. I ate a, I ate two weed cookies, which was probably the best thing to do. That's like um, nothing though. That That's like me having my coffee before I came over here to podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. They were, they were pretty intense. I don't normally eat two. Yeah. Um, uh, and got to go on water slides. We also did the, the fucking, uh, bracelet thing where you pay for the, uh, advanced tickets. I mean, that's what it is when you're fucking, you know, in your late thirties, early forties, you fucking are just like, no, I'll spend the money. One of the reasons I didn't go is because of, I, well, I didn't have money. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of broke. I just got back from an actual, like on the road vacation. And up until about three hours ago, I thought I was going to have to plan another trip for next week. Okay. I don't have to, uh, the pressure's gone. Good. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I can't get the fucking luxurious, the whole package, the, the, the cabana, the fucking get in the line in front of other people thing i don't want to even be there i don't want nothing to do with it yeah i mean ultimately i think you can do fine without it um it's just how you want to waste your money <laughs> like i don't even think like people that i think that people that are actually good with money would not waste their money on that uh it is a completely frivolous thing but um, it, it's so worth it also it's, i mean and i mean it does seem like you're just paying for access but it with having a kid it's way easier because i had to fucking walk around with a kid and entertain her the you know for half the time that i'm there you yeah. know half the time is hers so it's it's easy to run over and just jump on a slide real quick yeah yeah i mean i only do things super premium though okay. like i can't live a life that's not premium i, I live it. a premium life i get it except for my gas tank i live a regular life okay. a regular unleaded life i'm never gonna put premium in my car but if there's a premium I'm signing up for that premium. I just, you know, although I've been looking at concerts lately because I really want to go to a concert and I am not seeing a world where I would pay for the VIP experience. I don't, I don't, maybe I'm old, I guess, but like there's nothing I've said this in the past about other things, but there's nothing appealing to me about going into a room with like a, a sort of crummy buffet where the band is forced to stand there and you like get to shake their hand for two seconds or take a picture. There's n nothing appealing about that to me. Uh, no, I'm with you. Um, there's times when I'm like, want to waste a lot of money and I'm like, Hey, look how much is the VIP thing and the price is outrageous and what you get isn't worth it. You know, it's basically for people that like, if you got in a car accident and one of their songs like saved your life or something, or I think that's the only reason you would pay that money to go just stand around them for 30 seconds. People like autographs. That's true too. For autograph people. That's a big deal. I'm just like not an autograph dude anymore, but there was a time if I wonder if 
VIP tickets would have been something I would have been into in like 1996 where like I, very much cared about autographs. Now, I didn't expect to get them, but like if I see Jonathan Davis on the street, I'm getting his fucking autograph and I'm fucking afraid to talk to him because I would really like to say like, hey, your your stuff, you know, meant a lot to me at the time, but I was afraid to talk to him. Yeah. And uh was really just a part of a gaggle of fans holding things out that he could sign. But like um, at that time, that felt like something that was worth having. But now we're way past 1996, obviously. And I do have a bunch of autographs at my house. Maybe. I don't know. I might not have them anymore. I I'm, I'm, should dig them up and try to look for them. But like uh, I have a bunch of autographs at my house and like they're all worthless. There's they're not worth anything. Well, whatever you, whatever meaning you ascribe to them. I mean, if you can, if they make you feel good when you look at them or make you take you back, right. take you back in time. You They're know? not worth any money though. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, that's, a, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think at the time I got the autographs, I thought they were going to be worth money. <laughs> yeah. That was stupid. I thought like they were going to be like Honus Wagner, like my concert ticket with Fred Durst's signature on it was no. going to be like having a Honus Wagner rookie card signed. That's for you. That's all for you. That's for you to take home and cherish and put on your wall and nobody else gives a shit because they weren't there. Yeah. Why does it seem like, I feel like. Maybe this is a new thing that just like, because you're like five years younger than me, maybe it's just like you guys were smarter than us, but it really, at a time, it felt like, like an autograph was worth something. There was a yeah, period I know. of time where it felt like an autograph was actually like a sound investment in your future. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. I think you kind of twist things. <laughs> And that people get obsessed with other people and want to have collectible things around them. Um, I don't know if it's part of like a safe investment portfolio, though. I don't think that was being pitched to anybody. No, no, but you know what I mean. Like, because there's those fucking guys, right? That, and I see them every year during hockey season. These fucking guys that just stand outside of the hotel that the hockey players stay in. And wait for the bus to get there, and they just stand there with shit in their hand just to get signed. And it's like, what are you doing? But I guess... Sell it on eBay. Yeah, and they're usually, like, getting not the ticket signed. The concert ticket isn't yeah. getting signed. It's, like, a, a, a plaque. A by 10 photo, yeah. Mm, yeah. A fucking a game-worn jersey or a, a puck from a game. But then you're like, who's who's who wants that even? Yeah, that's when I don't even consider or think about that shit. I know. I know. I know. I know. But I, I mean, being a guy that grew up in Columbus, Ohio, though, you also have to acknowledge that there is an entire industry built up around uh, Ohio State Buckeye man caves. Yeah. <laughs> that you could probably make a nice, big, large amount of money just getting stuff i remember i paid 60 60 bucks i paid for and at this time 60 bucks was 150 dollars. it wasn't 60 like 60 dollars now you're like because the minimum amount that stuff costs now is 50 dollars. like 20 dollars is like 10 dollars was when i was a kid okay that's someone do how that i math. explain inflation <laughs> someone make you know that chart on the conversion rate but at the time was. 60 dollars was <laughs> 
the equivalent of like I would look at something for $60 and I would feel the same way that I do now when I see something that costs $150. Okay. And I bought my father-in-law a Woody Hayes bobblehead that Donato's had sold. <laughs> yeah, okay. But they didn't sell them anymore. Yeah. And my father-in-law was like, I, I can't fucking find these things. Can't live without it. Yeah, I need this. It's it's Woody Hayes, okay? There are streets named after him, okay? And uh, so I got it for him, and he was very happy. But now that he's, like, extra racist, he doesn't even like football anymore. It's kind of worthless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, there's a story of a piece of memorabilia that I bought. I mean, like, there are pieces of memorabilia that I would consider buying, like, if they were really fucking cool. You know, like a seven-string Ibanez guitar that one of the guys from Corn played. If I like happened upon that and it was like in good condition, and I also had the amount of money it would take to buy that, that would be something I'd be like, "Look, I know this is stupid and corny and dumb, but like it made so much of a." It made so much sense to me at a time in my life, you know. I got to get all my autographs. I I know for a fact that I do have both. I have ICP's autograph, but not only do I have their autograph, my wife has their autograph too. So we got like his and hers ICP autograph. You have several collections? (laughs) Well, no, we both went to the same... Uh, this is before we were dating, but we both went to the same signing. Yeah. So we have the same thing, but... Her says, hey, Katie, and mine says, hey, Brian. And it's like, man, we should fucking put those together in a frame, like a his and hers sort of collection and hang it in the living room. That's kind of a cool idea. So Yeah. Well, um, what I was going to say, uh, actually, was that right now with concerts and stuff, I am going and buying tickets for all the stuff that I never saw when I was younger because I did not have the money for any concerts. Mm-hmm. I saw you were posting about how people look, talk about their 20s being great, and I think that they're telling on themselves because it's like the most desperate, most broke, most craziest shit you will do to survive. At least for me, it was. So, yeah, I don't think it was awesome. Like then they When they act like it was easy for us, it's like... It, or even easy for Gen Z now, like the 20 year olds right now are breaking their backs at UPS and in warehouses. It's young people that give up their bodies for this shit. And then they get spit out and become 30 year olds, you know, that complain that about, done about sh- yeah, complain about 20 year olds again, you know? Yeah. And they haven't done shit. They, they just didn't get to see all of that stuff. That no. They like wanted to see, you know, that's, you see this like Limp Biscuit tour going around. It's like, I got to see them a lot. But there are probably people that are my age that just at that time were unable to go to their shows when yeah. they came through town. And, uh, you know, obviously for me, I always felt as though uh, a concert ticket was worth more than having electricity. Yeah. <laughs> I always like would justify <laughs> like, yeah. things like, look, they're going to turn off the electricity for one day, but I get to see Nine Inch Nails. So <laughs> that's something. I wish I would have done that more because <laughs> now it's killing me. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about the music industry now is, <laughs> I mean, except for a very small amount of acts like somebody like ABBA or, or something like that, or uh, an act where somebody's dead. 
if all of the people that were in that act are still alive, it's reasonable to assume that they will come back. And oh yeah, for sure. I, I just I remember uh, uh, Lucian, our friend Lucian, was like, ah, oh, you know, it's a real bummer. I never got to see. Um, uh, my chemical romance and i was like you shouldn't even be bummed because you are you will see my chemical romance yes <laughs> they're gonna go on tour i i mean it's just it's smart it's smart for those bands to like take time off anyway it's smart for it, dude if you're in a band and you made enough money to live without touring if you fucking take 10 years off touring when you come back, the tickets will cost more. You'll make a lot more fucking money. That's just the, the way I think it's looked at now in the touring business. So, yeah. I can't wait to go to a concert. I haven't even bought a ticket yet. I think me and Brett are going to go to the gathering of the Juggalos, and that might be the first thing I go to. I think. Unless yeah. there's something else coming, but that one's coming up sooner than... Yeah, the only one I want to... The Bully is playing on July 31st, but I don't know if I'm going to go. That's probably not going to be my first one. Plus, I, I already know. bought a bunch of September. I have a, I have a week in September with four concerts. It's like a two-week span with four concerts. That's so cool. <laughs> it's a lot. So, I don't know what Bully is. Like, I never heard of Bully. <laughs> oh, you would love life. them. Yeah? Yeah, they're uh, good. They're from Thursday. Florida. Florida, like, jangly, uh, yeah, uh, rock. Oh, garage rock. Oh, shit. like the stuff I was into. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 black lips and shit like that. Yeah, less racy. Right. Yeah, uh, we got some calls, Brett Payne. We do have a few calls in here. Let's put the uh, head pahones on and and uh, hey, before we get to the calls, Pittsburgh, September sixteenth, Street Fight Radio, and uh, who fucking knows? I know that. I'm going to be talking to our friends and seeing what we can make happen on, on these first dates back. But, uh, I mean, it really is starting to look like Pittsburgh's going to be the first show back unless we can pull off a miracle <laughs> here in Columbus or a couple other places. So, uh, uh, you know, go to our website, get tickets. If you're in Pittsburgh, buy all the tickets. And I'll tell you what, we sell enough tickets. I will let Heat O'Brien have a few minutes on stage. Whoa. Yeah. He, he can maybe show up and have just a few minutes up there for everybody. I'll do a strip tease. Oh, shit. No, I'm kidding. I won't do that. But uh, yeah, Heat O'Brien. You going there. You ready to take these calls? Uh, here. Uh, thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, uh, it's Coleman from Columbus. What's up, Coleman? How are you? Are you the mayor? <laughs> no, I get that. I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going on, Coleman? How's it going? Hey, good. Um, before I get to my thing, I, you guys were talking about um, meeting your idols or seeing your idols and getting their autograph. And I just, I, um, I live in Columbus and. Uh, I was walking down the street and I saw you, Brian, and I was so starstruck. I was like, I can't say anything. So I just kept walking. <laughs> you should always say some people stop me all the time. And, and like, it doesn't, here's the thing about me. 
I don't take breaks when I walk, but I'm totally always 100% okay to stop for a few minutes and talk to somebody. Uh, it would it would be very dickish to do my job and then be like, don't bother me on the streets. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you should stop me next time whenever you see me because I'm always in the streets. People always are like, I, I get so many people that say, I saw you walking around, but I was afraid to uh, stop and talk to you. And it's like, uh, hey, man, I spend like eight hours a day alone just wandering the city. So I like to talk to people. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. But hey, um, I, 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 I wanted to call. I do need to tell you though, where, where you and this is just a a, a words thing. Uh, please, I should not be your idol. That would. <laughs> 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 I I have fucked almost everything up in my life <laughs> over and over again. But uh, I appreciate the sentiment, really. Yeah, glad to hear it. I will. Uh, I'll keep that in mind next time I see you. Um, but the thing I wanted to talk about was I wanted to call in to discuss and kind of plug um, my my union or our union that we are starting. All right. Uh, where's uh, it at for the for the listeners? Who, I think it's beautiful. Uh, I, I, I want you to know that I find it beautiful that you said my union. But then corrected it and called it our union. That is extremely <laughs> aware of what you're saying. It's a very beautiful way to be. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I try to be. And uh, yeah, our our union, for the listeners who don't know, there's a suburb, sort of a suburb in Columbus called Worthington. Um, and I'm a librarian at the Worthington Library there. And um, we got together and are forming a union and we just went public with our union. That's awesome. Congratulations. Is the Worthington library one you go to Brett, or is that a, a not part of the libraries? It's part of Columbus public. I go there. Okay. Okay. Is it, uh, 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 so it's part of Columbus public libraries and you, and you went public with your union or is this a, a separate library? It's yeah, it's, it's it's separate. It's um we like share like you can share books and resources across libraries. We're kind of like in what the and and if we're in a consortium with them, we kind of share stuff with them. Um but we are separate libraries. Okay. And uh yeah, yeah. So they are they are not union or or you know, organizing union, but um yeah, we 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 are we're separate. We're starting a union. Um and we've got right now we're in the middle of um trying to convince our board of our board of trustees to publicly recognize the union because they're kind of deciding whether they want to recognize the union or if they want to force us to a vote. So that decision has yet to be made. So can I ask you, uh, uh, and you know, I don't expect you to, uh, if you don't know it, that's fine. Uh, do you know approximately? I'm, okay. There's a better way to ask this. Are there unionized libraries? Yes. Okay. Yes. There's actually a bunch in Ohio, like oh. Dayton, um, Cleveland Public Library. Yeah. Basically everywhere except Central Ohio. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I mean, that's also, isn't that the way it is? Well, also with Giant Eagle, that like almost everywhere in Ohio, Giant, 
Giant Eagle is Union, except in Central Ohio. It's really? not Union. I'm fucking ninety percent sure they're they're represented by the UFCW, but they are not here in Columbus. Um, what has the reaction by the uh, bosses, the, the the board and stuff, been? Are, is it uncomfortable there? Or are you, you know, how's it going? Uh, yeah, so we 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 marched in to go public, and we tried to, you know, read our statement to the boss, who's our who's our director, the director of the library, um, but he wasn't in the building, so we couldn't we couldn't deliver it to him. But um, so far, like the leadership at the library, they've been kind of mum about everything. They kind of have been not really telling us what's been going on. Um, there was a meeting of of the board um, on when, last Wednesday. And normally, um, meetings like that are open to the public, but because it involved like personnel and HR and stuff like that, it was a private meeting, but they went for three hours and, you know, normally at the end of the meeting, they'll vote on a resolution. Um, and they were trying to vote on whether to recognize us or not. And they did not come to a resolution. They, they were debated for hours and came to no decision. So we don't really know <laughs> what, what they are leaning towards or what they want to do. But that's why we're trying to put pressure on them now so that they just will recognize us. How fucking weird is it? Like, you know, you think about, like, a place that you would think would be relatively easy to unionize, I think. Where, like, you know, I know a lot of librarians and they have very sympathetic to union uh, uh, beliefs. I mean, my aunt is a librarian. And um, everybody just thought she was crazy, but uh, she was also a, a leftist. You know what I mean? And like, I think that's serious. Right. Though, I think that's why my parents were like, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about her. She's a librarian. She, she has a house out in Granville, Ohio, a farm. Nice. She lives out on this farm. And uh, mm-hmm. here's something. She doesn't own a TV. So that's really why we all thought she was crazy. <laughs> But the other part of this is uh, Verizon offered her a lot of money to build a cell tower on her land. And uh, she organized all of her neighbors and uh, chased them out. It didn't get done because she chased them out. And my dad would be like, she's just, you know, hey, you know, Susan, she's fucking crazy, you know. But like, I always saw her as somebody who was very sympathetic to left causes. And uh, I just wonder, mm-hmm. like, is that, is that a, that's the way I've always seen librarians and all the librarians I know are sympathetic, but also most of the people I know are sympathetic to left causes is would that yeah. be would would that. And, and what do you think of the board? Like the, the people that are going to decide to, uh, recognize your union like are people that are part of libraries mostly you know pretty liberal at least i i won't say leftist but liberal yeah i i mean i can't speak for everyone but certainly for me i would i would i would consider myself sympathetic to those types of causes um but with as far as the board goes i don't know it's, it's hard to read them because you know, a, a library board is not necessarily people who work in libraries. They're usually like big, big people in the community. So I think some of the people on our board are like lawyers and business people and stuff. So we don't really necessarily know like 
how they how they feel about unions in general or how they feel about liberal or, or leftist causes. Um, you know, so uh, it's it's hard to say where they stand on that. But as far as us, like you know, I, I certainly am more sympathetic to liberal leftist causes, but that's just because I believe in collective action, and I think. You know, we get, we're able to get an overwhelming majority of support at our library because, um, you know, everyone at the library believes in each other. We, we, we all like working together. Um, we all have that solidarity. And, you know, we believe we can make the library a lot better by forming this union. I mean, that's I, I, I hope it works out. For sure. What kind of uh, demands uh, are, are you making other than recognize our union? <laughs> <laughs> um well that's yeah obviously that that's the main one um and uh you know everyone ha- kind of had a different issue that they that they had or a different reason for wanting to unionize um you know th- there was um definitely we for, for my case um i don't i definitely don't want to be at will anymore because you know through through the pandemic it was kind of scary not knowing you know, the job, the job insecurity for everybody was, was definitely a thing, but, but that was a big thing for me, no longer being at will, um, you know, some sort of grievance procedure. If you have an issue with, with your manager or with another coworker, um, we, we, you know, a lot of us are looking for that kind of procedure to put in place. Um, and, uh, there was also, I guess, you know, before all this happened, before the pandemic and everything, there was, uh, there were some issues at the library and, we tried to, the, they tried to fix that. The director started this thing called the culture club. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was part of that and it was a bunch of coworkers and, and, and people who got together and, you know, we would, we would talk to people in the library, workers in the library and see what their, if any issues they had or suggestions they had and, and kind of, you know, take those suggestions to the higher ups. But what we kind of figured out over time was that they were really, like I said, they were just suggestions. You know, we couldn't really move on the things that we wanted to see change. We couldn't really, uh, we didn't really have a seat at the table. Um, so I think that that experience definitely colored my perception and other people's perception of, of what it would really look like to have a seat at the table, to have, you know, a balance of power. And the only way we were going to be able to get that was through the union. That's so, it is so funny that like there are so many of these businesses that could uh you know not have to look businesses hate unions and there are so many of these organizations that could never have to deal with a union if they would have just taken if they would have taken you seriously when they started the culture club (laughs) then like you guys it wouldn't even be going to make a union probably it would have everybody would have been fine but now there's got to be a ton of fucking consternation because they decided that they were like uh uh i hear you uh, go talk to everybody and find out what their problems are, and then we'll like not fix it. Actually, <laughs> and then come and tell us what the problems are, and uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll ignore them. Yeah, yeah, full, fully normal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I mean, I, I, uh, it is very weird how I, I've so for the whole day today. Uh, for the Wednesday show, I've been listening to an anti-union podcast. And um, I, 
Yeah, a guy. Ha- it, there is a podcast called No Union Radio, I think, um, that I've been listening to today. You know, giving them my ad dollars. Actually, they don't have ads, but uh, it, it is hosted by a real nothing. And um, I can't find it now. Okay, so anyway, it's hosted by a guy with zero charisma who also fumbles his words all the time, but he's doing a tape show. He's not doing like me and Brett. We do like live to tape. Uh-huh. sort of show he's doing like an edited up show but he fumbles his words all the time which cracks me up every time it happens but like all of his things that i mean he never talks about how much people make how much money people make uh that is the one thing that he always skips over and um he just he's he's anti-union because businesses make uh, uh, I guess less money, but I don't even know if that's even true. I don't, I don't yeah. know how much union membership even hurts the business because if you don't got a business with employees, you don't got a union because you don't have a business. Right. But it's a library anyway. I would be, I am really shocked that all the libraries aren't union number one anyway. And uh, the, some of the stuff I've heard, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the wages are pretty, pretty low for most of the people at the library, right? Yeah, it depends on, you know, obviously it depends on your position and, you know, which library you're at. Um, but we have we do have like a lot of hourly employees. And I think sometimes people assume like everyone who works in the library is a librarian, but you know, most of the people who work in the library are not librarians. And, you know, especially if they're the sole breadwinner in their house, you know, they're, they're making hourly and it's not necessarily um, that great of a wage. Yeah. Well, Coleman, let us know uh, how can we support you uh, and, and, and help get this union recognized. Yeah. So we, um, the board is meeting again tomorrow. Um, so what what we've been doing is um, we've been sending a, circulating a petition. Um, I think anyone in Central Ohio, so any Central Ohio listeners can can sign it because um, we want to focus on Central Ohio because those are the people who would actually use you know who use the library normally right. who are patrons at the library. Um, and you can find that at our social medias. Um, our handle is at WPL United. That's um, on Instagram, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, and um, yeah, signing that petition. Or if if people who are if there's people who are familiar with the Worthington Library and they you know they go to our website often, just sending in a you know a reference question at the website to say hey I'm you know I'm a patron at the library and I support unionizing. Um, we basically just want to show the you know the board that. Not only is, do we have a majority of staff who want this, so we, we would win an election um, if they tried to do an election, but the, the community supports us as well. So there's really no point in bringing it to an election because, you know, the workers want this, the community wants this, and, um, you know, the library is, is supposed to answer to the community. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let, let's help them out here. Uh, yeah. Let's get a union in one of the libraries in town. Worthington, too. I mean, yeah, they, they can afford it. They can. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a great library. It's a magical little library. The one I got, the old Worthington one, uh, I like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks for calling in, Coleman. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Have a good night. Stop me the next time you see me. Yep. I will. I will do that. Peace. Um. Yeah. I mean, I library librarian is pretty uh, common uh, for us from way back. I think lawyers, teachers, um, librarians—they fit right in there. Yeah. Yeah. And also just like, like I said, I, I only knew one growing up. It was my, my aunt. And like, you know, you've talked about your crazy aunt too in the past where you're like, Hey, wait, she's not crazy. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The one that spoke multiple languages and traveled all over the world and like, yeah, had a bunch of really exotic experiences. Yeah. Yeah, that was my aunt. It was like, they, they're just like, you know, she speaks French or like she can sing. She's like a classically trained singer. And my parents are just like, she's fucking weird, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, steer clear of that. <laughs> it's like, I mean, she seems like she's living like a really fucking interesting and good life. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you don't want to end up like her. I mean, she named her kids weird things. And well, and also that happens. Uh, and people do that, though, you know, and also the thing about not having a TV, it just didn't ever work for me. You know? Yeah, I think it's a good challenge. Yeah. Back then, though. Yeah, back then it was nothing. I mean, you were like cave person. I know. I, look. I could get rid of all the TVs in my house right now and I'd be perfectly yeah. fine. I'd just read a book before I go to bed or listen to something on my phone or something. Totally fine with that. I mean, and I'm saying this would be the challenge for me. Like no video content, period. I could live that life. I could live for at least a month. Okay. A month. A no video content life and i would feel just fine about it okay just fucking fine about it but 1992 take away the tv you don't you don't got a whole lot else yeah <laughs> that was probably the only good thing in my life was tv back then i know i know i know i mean people would like <laughs> Their TV was like an enormous investment in their house. Like you, like my parents fucking bought a TV that took up a quarter of the living room that we lived in and just size. It was this huge fucking thing with like one of those screens that are like ribbed. Yeah. Yeah. And you rub your nails on it. And dude, we love that screen. And they were like, don't touch the screen. And then we touched yeah. it so many times. Just up there, just doing like, <laughs> acting like you're a DJ on it. We did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it was scratched all to piss. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But man, we love that TV, man. We were, we were hooking up. We sometimes would hook up the uh, game system to that TV instead of the 19 inch that it was on. And, uh, yeah, we had a TV for a while uh, that you had to beat sometimes to get it to work. Uh, well, like I, it would go out and you'd have to smack the shit out of it until it got started acting right again. Right. And people think that that's not like, people think that's an exaggeration. Like you can't just hit something and it will fix the old ones, but like CRT TVs, I believe that's what they're called. Now I just said something that somebody will be like, that's critical race theory, actually. Uh -huh. the tv but anyway um 
you would, they would start like doing that thing where it like, mine would turn green. The yeah. whole screen would turn green and then I would just slap it and it would go back to color TV. Yep. Every time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or it would do that gimmick where it rolls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you would just give it a whack and then it would be like, TV's working. I don't know what the actual fix was there. <laughs> yeah. I would be a, so curious. A jostled, like a loose cable or something <laughs> getting jostled. I'd be so curious because you weren't even hitting. Like now, if you slapped your TV one, it would break. Probably if you gave it a fucking hard slap. Yeah. But you like weren't touching anything. There was so much fucking case. Yeah. Around the innards of a TV that if you smack it, you're fucking not even hitting anything, mm -hmm. really. So yeah, the good old days. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, my aunt not having a TV was like the thing that like really blew our minds. But she also in her we used to stay at her house for a week every summer, and she had a motherfucking pipe organ like at a church. Okay, and she had a collection of books like you've never seen before. And, like, she lived on a farm where you were allowed to ride a tractor. And she would let me drive the tractor. I was fucking 12. I couldn't drive anything. Yeah, that's country rules. Yeah, and she would let me drive the tractor. And it was just, like, at that time, I was like, I'd really like to be watching Martin. But this is also good. You know, this is fine with me. And now that I'm a little bit older, I can appreciate not wanting a TV. And uh, again, if somebody wants to pay me a large amount of money and say, Brian, I don't think you can not watch videos, like no video content for a month, I'm willing to take that challenge. Okay. I mean, when I say that, Brett, I mean, I'm not allowed to look at TikToks. I'm not allowed to watch the videos on Twitter. I'm not allowed to stop and look in the window at a place. How do we know? That's a good question. I would never rip you off. Just did a show about scam. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's just a bet I would take. Okay. I think I could, I think that's a bet that I could be successful at. And I mean, the listeners don't know this, but I was living without air conditioner. Brett knows it because it's all he heard about for like three days. I was living without air conditioner. Uh, that I couldn't live without. Like, for real, serious, this is no bullshit because I'm sure you're hearing a lot of bullshit from people in this part of the country. But, hey, solidarity with you people in the Pacific Northwest. I, I just feel terrible. I really feel bad for them. Have you been seeing? Because we stay up there when we tour up in Seattle and Portland and stuff, and they don't put air conditioning in those houses. Like 109 degrees there. Oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah. It's they those people ain't built for that, you know. Their houses aren't ready for that. And it got warm there. Do it I have a summer warm, like in the seventies, maybe the eighties. It doesn't get this kind of hot like it does here. Mm -hmm. And every place we've ever stayed in there didn't have air conditioning. They all had heat, but they didn't have air conditioning. So. Yeah, I, don't I think attention. a lot of people don't. Well, I, you know, I pay attention to air conditioning. Right. That's what I'm saying. You're the expert. I spend a lot of time thinking about air conditioning. Mine got fixed. My landlord came and he said, uh, 
ah, I fixed it. Uh, I'll have to order the actual part though. <laughs> <laughs> and put it on no. another time. So I don't. I'm trying to figure out how long this fix could last. But when he said, when my wife was like, "Yeah, he came in. He said he's going to order the actual part and install it," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm wondering what's going. What how kind of get- fucking disasters happening out there? Yeah, how did it get working? What kind of freon? <laughs> hey, it's snowing in my backyard." <laughs> <laughs> I hated not having it though. Uh special thanks to Drew Toothpaste and Icy Jake. Uh they got me window units for my daughter's room and our room. And uh we were able to sleep. It was just the rest of the house was inhabitable. Yeah. Uninhabitable. Yeah, it's tough to be you. So it is. Uh, Thank you. Thanks um, for saying that. You ready to take some another call? Yeah. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Oh my gosh, what's up, my two favorite white boys from hey, Columbus? How's it going? It's Bobby the bartender. What's up, guys? Uh, aren't you in <sighs> Seattle, Bobby? I, I am in Seattle. <laughs> I just did the solidarity speech for how cold, how hot it is there. That is, uh, are, are you okay? Do you have air conditioning? Bro, I am. Look, let me tell you right now. I was born in air conditioning because I am from Louisville, Kentucky. So I was born in air conditioning. I will die in air conditioning. I don't play about mm-hmm. my air conditioning. So when I moved here, one of the first things I did was I went on Craigslist. It was during the winter time. Found a portable AC, like a $400 unit for like 100 bucks. Bought it, put it in storage. Because I was like, these fools, they don't, no, no, no. Climate change, like, if y'all think this is a game... We going to see. And look, three years, was it three, four years later, look who's laughing. Like, I got this. <laughs> Sitting in just a, a cool bedroom. But yeah, you're right. Because I started to think about that, too, because the, the, the way that my problem was actually solved there for a period was that two guys I knew had window units. And I was able to go and pick them up and, you know, they just loaned them to me. And I'm like, but Craigslist probably isn't full of window units up in Seattle because people don't <laughs> buy them because they don't really need them. So I, there was, well, I'll what tell happens you, is that I'll tell you this, Bobby, oh, no, you're fine. Don't hang up. You, I'll, I'll tell you all this. This was, this was inse- amazing to me. So we're searching all over Facebook marketplace. We're searching all over Craigslist for air conditioners. My wife finds an ad and it is, you know, a pretty part of the ad was that they were closed Sunday so they could spend time with their family. Okay. It was a very like, this is a family business. This is a very kind family business. And we have, and we just want to get air conditioning in your house. We have them for 50 bucks. Is Give us a call. You come and pick up one of our $50 air conditioners. Okay. Katie fucking okay. called them. Guy answers the phone. She's like, do you have any window air conditioners for sale? And he was like, yes, they start at three fifty. dollars <laughs> I was like, you motherfucking scammer. Whoa. <laughs> so it wasn't. No, nah, they playing games. Uh-uh. I mean, that's when you're broken, you have to use Craigslist and stuff. I mean, 
That's the most powerless I feel in my life is when I get stuck in a using Craigslist and Facebook marketplace sort of thing. That's where that's where I feel my least powerful because, you know, I've I've talked about it on here before, but I'm afraid to haggle with people. And uh, I also uh, they just a lot of people don't even answer when you respond to them. So, yeah, it's really flighty people. It's it's crummy. So how are you doing, Bobby? I've What's going lucky. on? Oh, really? Well, I, I've gotten pretty lucky on uh, when it comes to, like fate. Well, okay. So when you're looking for like an offer up and all that crap in the Seattle area, a lot of times, most of it's pretty legit just because people like they'll be here for a few years and then they're leaving. So when they come in, they'll acquire a bunch of new appliances and laptops and stuff like, or um, what's it called? Uh, like screens or monitors, monitors and all yeah. kinds of stuff. And then they move and they're like, I don't want this. All right. We can't take it with us. We're going overseas. And so they just want to get rid of it. Oh, and that's how I've come yeah. across like two portable ACs. That's great. I, I, I don't think yeah, I've have. gotten lucky. I never find anything good on, on marketplace or Craigslist. I don't, I don't know how to search it though. I think there's something I'm not doing. Right. Because I searched window air conditioner. I searched window air conditioner within 30 miles of Columbus, Ohio, and six came up. There's no fucking way. There's only six of them on Craigslist. No, you're going too deep. You got to just start with like AC. You have to start with just the letters A and C. Start there at 30 miles and then check offer up, let go, and Craigslist. And then you have to kind of like scroll through because for some reason, like they will, some people, you know, you can pay to have your listing be higher up. And so sometimes you'll get a bunch of the crappy ones or the really expensive ones up top. But if you keep scrolling, you'll find the guy who posted it, you know, 24 hours ago and no one's called him because it was like buried halfway down to the site. <laughs> I'm now just learning about offer up and... And that other one you brought up, so let go. I didn't even yeah, know let about go. these. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, I like yeah. These there's websites. a lot more stuff on those. I like these because I was a huge fan of like, I like going to places and buying junk and stuff. And it, this offer up is is fresh, Brett, because like they have picture. It's all pictures. <laughs> you don't even have to click on yeah. just. <laughs> Just a link. You can just look yeah. through like all of this. It's uh, <laughs> they got uh, five lug universal rims for two hundred dollars. Okay, on here and they're painted though, blue and or white and red. And uh, they got clothes on here. So I'm gonna have to like, like really apps. get into this. They like they started off with like really good apps. That's what happened. Like they started off with just like really good apps. And so you know, kids or like people just want stuff. Fast. Like poor people who don't have computers, they have a phone, which is a computer, but they have their phone. And then they're like, I need to sell these things uh, because I need rent money and offer up and let go with the easiest ways to do it. Like the most convenient ways. Yeah. We've been talking, me and me and the wife have been, you know, she was like, you should sell some of your shirts. But I was like, I don't think anybody will buy them because they're sun bleached. So like, I don't think I can sell the shirts. I mean, Maybe somebody will buy a sun bleached Supreme shirt, but I doubt it. 
You never know. It works. Look overseas. Not overseas. Like, <laughs> hey, you guys are talking about like autographs and stuff, right? Yes. So you have to think that people overseas, especially in like Asian countries, because I mean, I, I noticed this here in Seattle, right? So they value uh, like the things that we just take for granted because they're here, like these celebrities or whatever, they're here. Over there, it's a big deal to get autographs and stuff. So a lot of those people you see waiting after games, they've got seven items to get signed because they know where they're going to sell them at. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. I mean, I guess it's still a yeah, risk because you might not get it. Yeah, you might not get it. But mm-hmm. I guess, like, I wonder if somebody in Japan would buy my Fred Durst autograph. He signed it Fred Biscuit. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah. He signed it Fred Biscuit. And, and Jonathan Davis signed his name HIV, but it looks like a happy face. Just so I don't I know that. Like he signed a lot of other stuff that way. Okay, but like, uh, I wonder if I could get those authenticated and uh, see if I could sell them in like Japan or something. Going Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, for sure. Pawn Stars. Oh God. Oh. I mean, the worst places. Yeah, like in, really- pawn shops are the worst places in the world, especially for guys like me. <laughs> I was raised in a pawn shop. Look, my dad is such a hustler, right? My dad is such a fucking malignant narcissist. But he is a hell of a fucking hustler. And so growing up, all I can remember is, okay, so he would, when he would have me on the weekends, or the weekends he would come, he would say, okay, we're going to go to this carnival. We go, he, you know, like those, uh, but those Catholic picnics and they have the carnivals or whatever, because yeah. I like, love roller coasters and stuff. So he we would go to one of these carnivals, one of these fairs. And then, of course, the whole point was that he wanted to go to one of these fairs because that's going to be near a bunch of pawn shops that he could stop at. And he learned how to read the numbers. So, like, every um, every item has a sticker on in the pawn shop. And he was able – he told me how, like, to read the numbers. It'll tell you when they post – like, when that item was purchased, uh, like, when it was purchased and how long it's been on the shelf. So that way he knew what to ne- how to negotiate with them. Oh, that's what I was learning as a kid. That is, I mean, but that's like a really good lesson. And you know, the good thing about like, if you're, I mean, like you probably also learned how to haggle, which is just something that like, I, I just, I can't do. Like I could never uh, figure out how to, I'm, no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I, I, it's just hard. It's just different. It's uncomfortable though. You know? It's uncomfortable. Oh. That's what it is. Okay, look, look, when I moved to Seattle and I had to live in my car for 22 months while working two fucking jobs, that was uncomfortable. But I'm still here. And a year later, like, I paid off all of my fucking debt, got my student loans out of default. And now I actually live in a house that I pay rent. I've been here for a year now. Um, like, it was uncomfortable. But what came out of it? My God. And get this. And on top of that, I am running for Seattle City Council right now. Oh. Position eight. Yes. Wow. Awesome. Can you believe it? That's really? Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got all really, the like, uh, real talk. Hey, here's the thing, Bobby. You introduced me to this offer up website. This mm-hmm. this thing has 100 crisp 
brilliant, uncirculated, sequential serial numbered U.S. $2 bills for $225. So he's making $25 off of $100 or $200. Yeah, that's 10%. That's dope. Yeah, somebody's grandma, like somebody's, somebody, uh, somebody definitely inherited that from their grandmother or grandfather or something was like, I don't fucking need these $2 bills. Like, I could get rid of this shit. I, I'm yeah. I, I mean, I did the same thing. So, what got you uh, running for city council? Well, you guys know. I mean, I, like when I, I remember when I first called into the show, and I was like all pissy about how this city is like. Um, what's the word I like to use? It's a like conscious capitalism type shit. You know, like y'all talk about it. You know the these building like all these new stuff, but they can't maintain anything. You know, they, there's no such thing as improving what you already have is no the only money is in building new stuff mm-hmm. and they create all these things that make you think that you know that they're that that they're providing or they're doing stuff for the community but it's, it's not happening all of it's getting funneled back to developers through like nonprofits, um through the city councils it's just all of this it's a big circulation it's kind of like a buyout it's really weird so you got to have a crisis. That was my biggest thing was that at the time, like I was homeless and this is when I really wanted to, it's like 2019. And I was like, okay, so the city says they're doing all this stuff for homeless, but the, the way it works is that you can only get money from the city if you're a about to be evicted and that you may get like three or $400, you know, from like a, a nonprofit or a church or something. And if you're on the street homeless, like you're actually on the street, then they will do a needle exchange. There's a place where you can go get showers. And I got that little book that says all the little things they offer, but there's nothing for the people in between. So it tells me that like, oh, you guys just want to maintain homelessness because if you keep it a crisis, then you can keep getting funding for a crisis. And the more funding you get for a crisis, that funding goes directly to, it doesn't go to city council, it goes to like um, nonprofits and uh, organizations and charities. All that money gets pushed to them that they get millions of dollars. And then it's up to those places to distribute it. And every single one of those nonprofits, they have a board. I work for a nonprofit. I know like there's a board and that board, they, they're making over a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars a year. They're making a shit ton of money on salary. And so all that money is getting funneled in and it's getting spread out. And that's the easiest way to do it. Um, it says you got to have a crisis with no crisis. There's no funding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I want to break that cycle, uh, with the city. Like I am all, I'm a proponent of housing, like immediate housing placement. Um, just in evaluation or is this person, are they serious? Are they ready to do this? Um, uh, give them six months. If in six months we can tell if they've gotten a job or they, they started a business or they are working their way towards the help. We'll give them another six months. Use what we already have. You don't need to build. There's plenty of places. I used to sleep in my car in front of these like monstrosities, monstrosities fucking buildings, like these apartment complexes that were just empty, brand new, just empty. And yeah, I'm like, why don't you just make a deal and put the people, get people off the streets now? But if you did that, then how could you get all this federal money? How could you get all this extra money? So yeah, I mean that kind of candidate. We were complaining about that on the Wednesday show. The the uh, I know. you know they keep saying there's this how there's a housing crisis. We need houses for everybody. It's like 
or that they need to build more houses for people. It's like, you don't have to build houses, man. There's plenty of fucking houses. We got all the houses we need. Let's put people in those houses. But uh, you're right. You can't make money. It's it's all part of a scam. Yeah. And you guys know how it works. We're scammers like all of us. We are all scammers in our own way. Anyone who's been at the bottom in their 20s knows how this works. It's just a bigger game. All they're doing is they're just playing it on a more protected level where they're not getting caught by like Target or Walmart security <laughs> for like, you know, getting out of the store with shit. They, they're, they're protected by just layers and layers of like agencies and, uh, and like businesses and all kinds of stuff that are protecting them. They're insulated. So they can just keep doing what they do until someone like me comes in and breaks it all up. Right. And it's about being, I mean, when we, when you say scammers, it's like, it's a, I I mean, when you're doing it to survive, like if, if, if you're good at it, that like Mm -hmm. muscle never leaves your body. You know what I mean? Like I still look around like, yeah, when I go to the grocery, I, I, so I went to the grocery store last week to, to get groceries and we, we were broke, but because we just got back from a vacation, I spent money stupidly and, and all that stuff. But uh, the cable company, we signed with a new cable company and they sent us a $150 credit card. Nice. So I went to the grocery store and I was like, I'm going to use this $150 credit card and whatever it costs, I'm going to, that's, that's what I'm going to use. Uh, I, I scanned all my groceries. I got to the end and it was like $148. Nice. But at the bottom of my cart, I had a 12-pack of Diet 7-Up, three eight-packs of seltzer water, and I think there was a cold brew coffee in there, too. Right. I was just like, fuck it. We're just going to stop scanning here and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. I got out of there. Nobody said anything. It felt so goddamn good. And the lady was looking at me, too. I think that's the weirdest thing. But the good thing about Kroger, at least, and believe me, there's not a lot of good things about Kroger, but the good thing about Kroger, (laughs) but the good thing about it is the self-scan checkout lines they don't want you to put eight packs and 12 packs in the bagging area. Like they tell you to mm-hmm. put it back in your cart. So like, they don't know yeah, what to been... say. Skip bagging. Yeah, it does. It does say skip bagging. So you can get away. I mean, mm-hmm. unless they're standing, looking right over your shoulder, you can get away with just not paying for that shit. It, it's fucking incredible. I love it. I love the self. No, look at it. No, Look, I was in Fred Meyer. Uh, this was like a few, this made like three months ago. So I was in Fred Meyer, which is basically, it's Kroger. Like Kroger yeah. owns them out here. It's the Kroger for us. And I had a, I had a bunch of like detergent. Like they had detergent on sale, but you had to buy like four of it or something, you know, like four of that brand. So I had like four different detergents and stuff in the cart and some other stuff. And I'm like waiting in this, these long ass fucking lines at the self-checkout. And I'm already thinking like, okay. So I got to pay all this money for this shit because this is so expensive to live in this city. So I'm like, I got to pay all this money for this shit. Y'all motherfucker can't even open a damn register, right? Uh So I'm like, cool. So I'm standing there. And then I was like, you know what? I'm over this. Like, I got things to do. Like, my, I, was, I had my comforter drying. I was like, I need to get back to the damn laundromat. My, my comforter, timer don't went off. I got to go. I walked my ass right out the door with a cart 
full of detergent and shit. Nice. Walk trace them. And I did it like slow, cool, calm, and collected. Like, bitch, I paid for all this. What you going to do? Like, that's how you, you got to have that confidence because they can't tell you nothing. I don't. There's the employees are more worried about being wrong and accusing somebody that yeah looks Mm -hmm. confidently innocent. I had to say I had an issue today where I was at a gas station that I go to to stop and get a drink. Right on my walk, I stop at the same gas station pretty much every time to get a drink, and the service there is as bad as any place I've ever been to in my life. Either you need exact change and the credit card machine doesn't work, or somebody, there's only one person working and they got all this lottery shit going on. Like, you're always waiting in line, right? Is it a Speedway? Is it a Speedway? No, no, it's not. It's a Duke and Duchess, which I believe is. But, uh, I'm standing there fucking waiting with one Gatorade in my hand. I don't have anything else in my hands, dude. And I'm just like, I could just walk right out that door and nobody would say anything. But I chickened out and put the Gatorade down and went to a different place. I was I was bummed about it because I just kind of felt like because their fucking credit card machines always down. Yeah. It's you- always motherfucking down. And you could take a hit for a Gatorade. You could take that charge. I know. It's not even a charge, dude. Yeah. But it just felt like, like, stealing. Nobody cares. I feel, yes, exactly. But I feel like stealing from the gas station is a high risk situation to me because it's such a small (laughs) store. It is. Just depends on how many people are in the line and what time of the day it is. Like, if the cashier is moving real quick or whatever with the people, like the line's moving fast, that's when you got to pay for like the Gatorade and the Krispy Kreme donuts, you know? <laughs> but if like the, if somebody is, she's taking forever oh, trying to find somebody's carton of cigarettes and shit, then that's when you just like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm done. Bye. Like I just yeah. like got my car filled up or whatever. I'm out. <laughs> I tried. I stood here and I tried to be patient and I couldn't. So it, I'm out. I'm leaving. Everybody. Yeah, was so, I gave it my best shot. Everybody was so hot under the collar in this gas station. And I kind of felt like being like, Let's just all go. Yeah. What are they going to do? Everybody run. Like organize like a revolt mm-hmm. because there were people buying like two 24 packs of beer yeah. there. And it's just like, we could all get away with this, man. They're, They're going to hire a, a PI to build cases on all of you. Well, that's the gas station. Right, that, exactly. That's the gas station in town that won't let you wear a mask. In. Oh, really? It's, it has a sign that says no masks on in the store. So they have... Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, they're mostly worried about someone coming in with a gun. That's the kind of stealing they're worried about, usually, I think, in a gas station. Oh, yeah. But I think also, I think the employees can end up, like, getting in trouble because if they catch people stealing, like, if the, I'm sure the bosses, the, the owners of these, like, franchise gas stations are freaks. And they sit and watch. Yeah, and they sit and watch Mm -hmm. the uh, uh, surveillance video or at least fast forward (gasps) through it. And if they catch people stealing, the person at the cashier gets in trouble for it. I just feel like that's got. Look, I'm going to tell you this really quick. I'm going to tell you this really quick story. Okay, look, I used to work. I worked at Waffle House. I was a server slash cook slash everything slash therapist at Waffle House for like two years. Okay. And I remember like a while back, you guys were talking about people working at Waffle House or whatever. So look, let me tell you this. I worked on third shift. So we had cameras everywhere in, inside the store. And the um, 
So like the back door, like you to go take out trash. Well, what they would happen is like when we would come onto our shift at 10 o'clock, the manager with the GM or whatever, the owner, franchise owner, he'd come in, he'd put like a certain, like one of those like marked zip ties. He'd put on like one of those zip ties uh, on the door as the door lock. So that way, if anybody tried to go out there and smoke or sit out back or something or use the back door for anything, you'd have to snip that zip tie off. Yeah. And like, and so what he would do is he would sit at home, like when he would, he would watch on his phone, like everything that we were doing. So, you know, we may get a random phone call at, you know, 345 in the morning if like if two of us were sitting in the back and the cook is passed out drunk in the front. We may get a phone call saying, hey, y'all need to get your ass out on the floor. Damn. Uh, let so-and-so finish sleeping. Yeah, like, that's how, like, that's how a lot of these, like, small, like, these franchisee people are about their business. Yeah. It's like their first owning, it's like their first time owning the business. It's like the kind of business where you don't have to put in any fucking work. You've got to put in money. And then you can sit there and then just be a dictator and be terrible. God, I've never heard of the uh, zip tie. I've heard of it in in like trucking and stuff like that. But the zip tie on the door thing, I have. Uh, that is that is a low, a low thing. So, well, Bobby, yeah, tell us how, tell us how we can help you get elected, and uh, uh, how can we help you get elected? Is there a place to go? So my uh, the website was just finish like the uh the first version of it so it's up now the website is accountable to seattle that's the number two so it's accountable to seattle.com is the website and you can donate through the website um i think it's like through paypal on there right now because i'm trying to make it through the primaries and that's when i'll do like the other stuff to fundraise but um so the website's up and i'm on instagram Right now, I'm trying to go out of this one. I think, oh, it's Accountable Bobby on Instagram and uh-huh. uh, Twitter. I just got the Twitter going. It's like Bobby or Seattle's Bobby at Seattle's Bobby for Twitter. I literally just got this stuff started because I had to do this all on my own. I didn't have, I don't have like a whole team behind me. So I am kind of figuring out as I go, but I've got some really good momentum. Like I've, you know, met a lot of people in the city. I've got a lot of support and um, it's, going all right it's going pretty good things gotta work out in their own time you've got uh street the seattle street fighters there to help you too so uh, i site looks good. It. yeah i like the colors yeah well have a good night bobby yeah. it's yeah, good Audrey to hear from you job. it's great to hear thank from you so you. much and i'm so happy that you're back guys thank you we appreciate are it you're welcome uh brett i right. have a good night i think i may have found something. I think Bobby may have hipped us to something What's that? that could help you a lot. Offer Up has a clothing section. Uh-huh. And uh, there's like a lot of Supreme stuff on there and Gucci stuff, like Gucci t-shirts for $25. Okay. And I know you <laughs> I know you have a lot of that kind of stuff, too. That's true. I need to unload a lot of that, actually. And you could unload it for what the real price would be too. no <laughs> i there's a lot of stuff on here that's suspect but yeah. uh offer- no ripoffs but you got to pay the price for the nice stuff yeah yeah oh thanks for calling street fight who are we talking to tonight street fight hello i'm uh i'm here to talk shit on brew dog oh or did you do you work at brew dog so i used to work for brew dog um up until fairly recently um if anybody who actually works there uh, is listening 
they will recognize my voice uh, because I was the person that always talked. Uh, and um, about the last year I worked there, I got promoted to the, the very bottom level of like what you could call the manager. So like I got to see a little bit of peak and uh-huh. uh, peek into it. So it was kind of fun. It was kind of, uh, I'm kind of at a unique position here to finally be able to talk shit on these people. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, uh, we read an open letter that the employees of brew dog wrote. It didn't have a ton of details in it. We were just sort of, uh, calling attention to the fact that they were, they are, um, striking or not striking. They just wrote an open letter and, uh, we're going up against Pretty the company. Essentially. Right. And we were w- actually wondering like what, what the issues were there. So it's, uh, it's like that particular letter comes from Brewdog UK. Cause they're, they're fucking huge out there, man. Um, no, they, I, and the way they started is totally not punk, which makes it like so, so funny that they went with the punk angle for so long. Um, they brewed four beers really quickly and then flooded an, in, uh, a contest to win sponsorship by Tesco, which is like Walmart for like the UK. Oh, okay. And so they were sponsored by like the biggest grocery store to grow their brand as fast as possible. Um, but like in the U S like the same, the same issues like we're there. Like it's much smaller operation, but the same issues were there. Yeah. Well, and then, and I wrote in the letter, they also mentioned that like the, the atmosphere was something that was just like, uh, just a fantasy that they talked about. Wasn't something that you could actually, wasn't anything that the company actually lived by. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is where me being able to talk shit comes in because so, like I, I got in there, uh, like in, when was it 2018 or whatever? And it was just, and like they, they set it up and the way they talk about it, it's, Oh, it's so good. It's so amazing. And, uh, they're like, we, we have a unicorn fund, which is a, a cash payout at the end of the year based on like the profits the bars make. Okay. And, uh, they're like, and the health benefits are cheap because James wants to, James wants everybody to have affordable health care. Unlike your government, I'm like, huh? okay, tight. Uh, talking shit about and, us, uh, <laughs> right? Like, I can't talk shit about them. It was like my healthcare was 20 bucks a month for like ever, yeah. Tight. But other than that, everything fucking sucked. They screwed me out of the cash bonus because like, oh, we expanded, we expanded to five restaurants this year or five restaurants bars this year. Uh, so that kind of ate the bonus. But that we'll we'll, get, we'll pay you next year. And after that, it was like, well, pan, oh, now it's pandemic time and we can't pay it this time. Well, we'll get you back. So I, I, it was, I figured it was never going to happen. Right. Um, but another big thing is, uh, James Watts is very much a dudes rock kind of fella. Um, he, cause I, the, the place that I were, he bought straight cash money, which, uh, which like, isn't the, the major, like main location, but a smaller one. Yeah. And he would come in there, like this, and it would, like come in there with like chicks on both arms, slamming li- like buying drinks and slamming liquor for people, throwing booze in the f- in like the artificial fireplaces to like make big fireballs. The fuck! And like the whole time, 
like if you were a random patron, you were expected like someone like he was going to come up to your table if you had a chick there and he was going to like schmooze all over uh, no matter what you did. That. He was kind of a creep. Yeah, right. Is it hasn't he been called out for some of that stuff? Like uh why do I th- Yeah, yeah, cuz that was a big thing and he liked to go around and just do that. His wife finally just divorced his ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so were you in much. What? That doesn't always mean a person's bad. It does actually. Voice their ass. True. True. <laughs> so were you? True, I just you know he is openly yeah, cheating on his wife. I get it. Yeah. Were you in Ohio by any chance? I know. Uh, uh, I you don't have to dox yourself, but were you working in the Columbus locations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working. At, I was working at one of the the three now going to be four Columbus locations. What was that fucking? It was uh, four. The city loves brew dog. It was uh, it was it was it was a unique experience uh, for for sure because like, um, as far as like they're like on the on like the low end structure, like the corporate like the corporate thing didn't really uh, like you didn't really experience it a lot unless you happen to be uh, unless you happen to be trying to get a promotion and then. And then you can see the, I would say, like, kind of boys, like, not like locker room culture, but it's like, it's like kind of like dude bro culture, kind of run, kind of ram brew dog. Yeah. So, uh, like, they, they did a, it was like woke dude bro culture. So, like, if you were a chick trying to get, like, hot, like, get promotions, it became like some of them were obviously like, why did, why did I get passed up for promotions? And on yeah. the corporate end, you were like lower end who cares but like they would stop by all the time and you could feel every management's asshole like clench all the way tight because they knew like if something went wrong there was going to be like an hour meeting the next day and the meetings were always just like someone from corporate singling out anybody and then just berating them so that was because they talked about a receiving them that one time Right, they talked about a culture of fear, but they didn't quite explain what that was. And I was actually very curious of like, like I, I, you know, I don't expect you to give specific examples or anything like that. But it it was one of those things where they like would single you out and scream at you in front of everybody. Yeah, so I guess like you, there would be because you it wouldn't be everybody as far as like in front of like hourly employees but if you were like management and like shit was and like for some reason something sucked um like they would like they would wait until the next day they would wait until the next uh management meeting was there would be like two of them a week mostly just to discuss like what the plans were and like how scheduling looked and so on and so forth but like they would show up and they'd be like all right so we want to we want to talk to blah 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 about and it would be like you know just just in front of the management like all the managers would just be there and corporate would show up and just like hey you sucked at your job the other at the other night and just like absolutely skewer people and then leave for the day okay and he's in columbus was, uh, the owner is in columbus he uh he wasn't a lot last year because you know he's based in scotland but he uh flies out once a once a quarter for like three weeks and then the people that he hires to do the corporate and out here are all like 
they all had relatively close connections to him at the beginning of the company when they were running it in Scotland. Really? Um, so he, he they flew had a, they had a really big in-house scandal. Oh yeah. He flies to, he takes a private jet out here once every three months. So, and he flew out his people to run the, it's not what I'm asking is it's not exactly a meritocracy. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not exactly like they they filled in some. Uh, they filled in some, yeah, but a lot of it were like people for, like some of his people from Scotland, and then they would like hand, and then they hand they hand picked who would serve under them. And now, like some of them have like weeded themselves out, but uh, like a lot of it's still there. Wow, wow. Uh, so it's it's just it it like it comes off like. Like the the environmental stuff that Brewdog promises is also bullshit. And he does legitimately promise that. Yeah. Not not really. That is uh, that is something I'll give uh, them slight credit for. Is like they they do try to do as much as they can to be to like stay true to like that like that woke bro culture that they kind of embody. Uh, <laughs> they do they do those kind of things, but it. Like they do it for tax write-off reasons. Like they don't do it for the exact right reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like that. That funny. dude sold uh, something in the UK for two billion dollars, and and decided that uh, when we were needing to hire people, he wasn't going to pay people more than twelve dollars an hour uh, for the kitchen side, and like. Uh, on the server, I like the server end, it was pretty low, and they made them run skeleton crews and tip sharing, which like wasn't wasn't great according to the the a lot of the mainly ladies that worked on the floor. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, fuck that plate. Fuck yeah, the dog. It was, it was yeah. It, it was their. their uh, I'm I'm glad to like see them start getting exposed, but it's so. But like they're like they're getting exposed for being like the kind of like bad bro dude stuff. But if you like look, they do kind of try to be nice, but all the things they try to do to be nice like just backfires because they're so I don't want to say evil that's heavy handed, but like they're just not they just they're they're growth over, they're over everything. Growth over everything. Yeah, they're they're yeah. just kinda they it's like uh, I guess like na it's like nasty people running this thing mm -hmm. and and you're like you know it does sort of like if they're doing some of the right stuff you're like ah oh, you gotta give them credit but like y you don't really have to give them that much credit if they're doing it in the nastiest way possible <laughs> you know that's the way i think right. of it because like we talk about this a lot with um with like farm to table restaurants that are like you know I'm a farm to table restaurant uh the 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 cows are raised in a pasture and treated delicately and and like all the you, you know it's just all of this great stuff about the sourcing of the food but they treat the employees like fucking shit and pay them nothing it's like well, 
that just makes the whole thing nasty. It like just because you're doing some of the right stuff, some of the responsible stuff, like you if you're treating people like shit, then it's just it taints the whole thing and makes the whole thing nasty. Yeah, like that's nasty. That's where I fall on because like I, I left because they were just work like working the absolute like dog shit out of me and I got I found an opportunity to get out. And like get some free drop, free job training uh, to do IT work, and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. I'm getting, I'm getting out of your dog. Oh my god, hell yeah, sounds like, they, great. I got, got, I got, I got exposed to COVID five different times there, like last wow. year. Like I had to take ten weeks off, and then I got furloughed twice. I think I spent almost seven months just chilling in my apartment, fuck, because of brew dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, well. You know, thanks, thanks for calling and, yeah, and shedding some light on this. I, I, we really were kind of confused by like what the issues were, but it just sounds like an altogether nasty culture. And that kind of thing can be very hard to describe, like, like in an open yeah. letter, yeah. if, yeah. if you, that you makes sense. It. Yeah. It's hard to describe what yeah, a nasty you, you nailed it. Cause like they, yeah, it's just, it's ran by, it's ran by woke dude bros who are concerned only about growth in their brand. It, yeah. it bleeds through everything and it makes, it makes everything kind of nasty. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thanks for calling. Bad, the beer is kind of nice though. Yeah. Brett likes the beer too. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice. It is nice. They gave me 50 beers uh, for my, for Christmas instead of my bonus. Oh my God. This bonus talk makes me nuts. <laughs> Like you never got, did you ever, you said you were there in 2018. Did you ever get a bonus? Nope. I was too, I joined too late to get the 2018 bonus and then it got screwed out of the 2019 bonus and it's got the pandemic ate my bonus and I got turned into 50 beers. The pandemic eating your bonus shouldn't happen. I'm I, I Oh yeah, no, that, that, that's like, Brett's like, "Mm." that was, that, that was kind of the final straw for me. I was like, oh. God damn it. I mean, BrewDog's doing but okay yeah, money. Uh, right I appreciate there. you guys letting me call call in and uh, talk shit to BrewDog. I'll let you guys get to the next uh, next caller. All right. Thanks for calling. Peace. Have a great evening. You too. Have a keen evening. That is interesting that he said they got into Tesco because that's what got me hooked on them here is that they sell it at Costco here. So you can get like a 24-pack, which is very hard to find in like uh, craft beer, but... They they have like big packs of them at Costco all the time, so we drank tons of them during the pandemic. So I don't know what. Yeah, they definitely had bonus money because I drank more Brewdog than ever during the pandemic. I mean, I I I feel like I find it hard to believe that like a lot of these companies, especially beer and liquor and like alcohol coming, I find it very hard to believe that they ran up on hard times during the pandemic. Now. In the case of BrewDog, uh, the restaurants, bars, probably did hit hard times. They didn't make money. Yeah. But, like, it's the same thing as the grocery stores being like, we do hero pay. And then getting rid of the hero pay. Where it's like, motherfucker, you made more money. And now, oh, Brett, I read an article about how, like, the grocery stores now are getting like annoyed and and like they're saying like okay you know 
things might get tough now because people are going out to eat again, so they won't be going to the grocery store anymore. Time to tighten our belts. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're like Target had 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 an employee thing. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting tired. Okay, what were you saying? Nothing. Go ahead. Take the call. Hello. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, Street Fight. What's up? This is Jonathan in California. What's up, Jonathan? How's it going? Good. It's not too late to call, is it? No, no. you're good. I think I How jumped are you? in at the half. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. doing. I'm doing good. I, I, I think from listening to the earlier callers, you got a couple from Columbus and one from Kentucky. Yeah, so far. No, no. Uh, Seattle and Columbus. But Bobby was from Kentucky, though. He originally, is from Kentucky. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I'm originally from Dayton. So okay. I think you have a full slate of callers tonight from, we got from Ohio and Kentucky. We got a little Ohio area. So, so what's going on tonight? Ohio River Unity. Nothing. I, I, I was just calling in to say welcome back, I guess. Well, thank you. But, we appreciate uh, it. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Yeah, and I was I was listening to your first caller trying to organize organize librarians, and uh, and I I, th- I think they'll be real receptive to it. In our in our bargaining unit, we've got uh, uh, among the librarians, we've got one hundred percent union membership. So oh, li- wow. library is a stalwart. Yeah. Yeah, I That's would assume. I would assume librarians are great. They're they're the sweetest people, and they single handedly probably floated or, or kept us uh, podcasting for the four years where we weren't really making any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not not as easy to organize. Yeah, not as easy to organize teachers in the business school or the economics department as the library. But uh, no, that library is, true. is good. That is very true. Well, uh, thank you for welcoming us back. We appreciate it. Yep. And uh, we're beset by technical difficulties. So we're going to call it an early night this week. But thank you for calling in. Yeah. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good night. We got one more. Last call. All right. Last call. All right, let's do this. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, guys. It is uh, Jack from KC. What's up, Jack? How's it going tonight? Oh, it's going. I'm just smoking per usual. Um, Breaking the Ohio streak, though, because I was born in Kansas, and I was raised in Kansas City, Missouri. So I don't even think I've, I've driven through Ohio, but I don't think I've ever even stepped foot in it. I spent a whole summer in, in Kansas. And, uh, yeah, I spent a whole what summer in Kansas. Kansas. Wichita. Uh, Is it not <laughs> that great? I, I, but I bet you there's cool places in Wichita, right? I kind of have always wanted to do a live show in Wichita, Kansas, because I spent a whole summer mm-hmm. there. Maybe there might, I don't know. Like I said, I, I live in Kansas city, Missouri, so I am more familiar with the Missouri side, but yeah, I've been, I have been to, um, I, we did a show in Kansas city. So 
we've been there we're we're yeah ne- next time you come by i'll uh I'll be sure i show up i hope to be there i hope to come by there soon so what's going on tonight you guys have to um I, nothing really i just figured i'd call in after hearing bobby talk about uh stealing shit okay. um because i was up in denver uh few weeks ago like two weeks probably um just for a little vacation like three days or whatever with some friends and one night we went to a gas station and uh stole a couple bottles of robitussin (laughs) smart did you do it did you drink a whole thing yeah i drank a whole bottle it was uh it was a good high i guess i don't think i'd do it a lot I mean, people tend to hate robo tripping. I mean, I, you're one of the first people I've heard say it wasn't all that. I didn't, I didn't get like the stiff legs or anything like that. I was just, it kind of, I've only done a Molly once and it felt like a lighter version of that. Wow. Damn. Maybe I'll have to try it again because I've, I've done Molly and uh, really enjoyed it. So I'll robo trip. I mean, I've never also. I don't quite like a lightweight stuff. though for most drugs so i like i said i only took a bottle and i only weigh like 150 pounds okay um, so i don't know what the like tolerance rate for that is if it <laughs> if like weight affects how much you need to mm-hmm. drink or not i think it, any anything you drink you know, weight is involved in that i believe i think for the uh, most part i would think yeah yeah, because my daughter was, like, telling me yesterday, like, uh, you should get some food in your stomach before you eat an edible. And I'm like, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I think you no. just get the same high no matter yeah. what you eat. But I think things that you primarily drink, like alcohol, cough syrup and stuff, you, you know, having a little food on the tummy uh, might dull the buzz but it's not a big deal i've never found that i've never found that i ate a meal and then did a drug like that and then fucking just was like uh oh shit you know i'm all uh i'm less fucked up i've never felt that way yeah so uh well thanks for calling in uh we appreciate it yeah for sure have a good yeah, night. Yeah, sorry about the, the early night. but mm, We'll get it all fixed. We just, when we were on vacation, when I guess I can explain it to you. Uh, when we were on vacation and filming the TV show, Nick from Means unplugged every single thing in the studio. So we're having to go oh, back come on, Nick. and reset up. So it, for those who wanted a three-hour call-in show tonight, you can blame Nick because nothing's working. Mm-hmm. Well, regardless, I think the short call-in show is probably worth it for all the content that's going to be coming out on Means. So that's true. Well, thank you for calling in. Yeah, you guys take it easy. Have a good one. Peace. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Street Fight Radio. I'll make sure and just put the Kill Hamster song at the end of this show, so that way we don't have to. Worry about paying them back. Thanks for sending in your music, Kill Hamster. Sorry it didn't get played live. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday to do a, another basement show. I think we're going to do it remotely, though. Um, but that's coming Wednesday night, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right. Uh, this is Kill Hamster. They write in and say, hey, dudes, I don't know much. 
I don't know how much music you have queued for your shows. I'd like to submit a couple remixes I've done. Looks like we've got a Limb Biscuit and a Nine Inch Nails remix. You can find these at soundcloud.com slash killhamster. K-I-L-L-H-A-M-S-T-E-R. Uh, we are Street Fire Radio. Peace. <laughs>